This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Solar Tornado, Documenting Black Cowboys, Mount Rushmore, and more. Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 327 for March 26th, 2023. And as usual, in today's episode, I'm covering the latest news and rumors that caught my eye for this past week. So let's start off by heading on over to Petapixel. Incredible sun image showing solar tornado that's over 75,000 miles tall. Astrophotographers Andrew McCarthy and Jason Gunzel teamed up to produce this stunning image of the sun with a solar tornado spinning off it, it that's as tall as 14 Earths. McCarthy captured over 200,000 images and worked with Gunzel over five days on the data to create the 140 megapixel picture. The pair managed to get an unprecedented level of detail into their photo, which McCarthy says is his most detailed sun photo. And it's absolutely amazing. You should check out these images in this article in the show notes. Quote, a blend of science and art, this photo combined over 90,000 images meticulously layered and processed to review our star in a way we, you've never seen before, McCarthy writes on Twitter. A geometrically altered image of the 2017 eclipse was used as an artistic element in this composition to display an otherwise invisible structure. Great care was taken to align the two atmospheric layers in a scientifically plausible way using NASA's SOHO data as a reference. McCarthy explains to Petapixel that the invisible structure is the solar corona that is only visible from Earth when there is a solar eclipse. Quote, the shape and position were altered and matched in NASA coronagraph data captured from space for accuracy, he added. McCarthy, like many other astronomers, pointed his telescope to the huge solar tornado that hurled a plasma cloud off the sun last weekend. According to space, the solar twister reached a height of around 75,000 miles or 120,000 kilometers, which is the height of 14 planet Earths. McCarthy posted a time-lapse video of the enormous solar tornado, and you can watch that in this article in the show notes. Gunzel, who collaborated on the 140-megapixel image with McCarthy, called it a melding of art, science, and the technique of two astrophotographers. The duo called their creation Fusion of Helios. Quote, we assembled a mosaic composite shot to visualize many different elements that would otherwise be impossible to photograph together, he explains on Twitter. From the carefully modeled corona based on solar eclipse photos to the fluffy intricacies in the chronosphere, there's a lot here to enjoy. More of McCarthy's work can be found on his website, Twitter, and Instagram, and more of Gunzel's work can be found on his Twitter and website. And my hat's off to you guys. You pulled off a fantastic visual representation of our sun and all of its beautiful detail, and it is truly breathtaking. 
as is the image of that 75,000-mile-tall solar tornado. I highly recommend you swing by this article in the show notes. Check out those stunning images for yourself. Photographer's five-year project documenting black cowboys. A photographer spent five years capturing America's backbone, modern cowboys in the South and Southeast. Gem Hale's project, Heyday, depicts black cowboys keeping a Southern tradition alive in the 21st century. Quote, there's this fascination with cowboys in the American media, Hale tells Petapixel. How the black cowboy is typically portrayed is in a very urban environment, Compton Cowboys, Fletcher Street Cowboys. So I wanted to take a step back and dive deeper into my roots and my family's roots to show a more rural side of this story. Hale says he was curious to know more about the lives of the cowboys still residing in the American South. The modern cowboy is history meeting the present to impact the future. I've spent the last four years getting to connect with these people, he says, learning about their farms and ranches, their lifestyles and values, but most importantly, their tradition and why they keep it alive. Hale began the project after going out on trail rides with the cowboys and getting to know them. Quote, it became a challenge at times finding new and unique cowboys to feature, but the universe played in my favor always, and the connections always came about very organically, he says. I found that these cowboys are the backbone of our American society. In a physical aspect, they make sure we have food on our tables. More than that, they have influenced an entire culture that's crossed over into key aspects of fashion. Heyday reveals the dawn of a new way for the black cowboy to be known. Hale, originally from Texas and now residing in Atlanta, shot Heyday between 2018 and 2023, so used multiple cameras for the project. I used a Fujifilm GFX50R, a Fujifilm X-Pro2, a Nikon D800, a Nikon DF, a Hasselblad 500CM, and a Contax G2, he says. Hale is exhibiting Heyday during the annual round trip, antique, and art fair in Texas from March 31st through April 1st. We've converted this beautiful big red barn into a gallery, and more than that, a true way to properly experience the work he adds. For more about the exhibit, visit Hale's website. More of his work can be found on his website and Instagram. And I think this is a fantastic project, and I really do believe that he has captured some amazing images. And it's really cool that one of the cameras that he used for his project is the same camera I've been using for my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Pennsylvania projects. And that's the Fujifilm GFX50R. Hopefully, if uh, fortune smiles upon me, I'll possibly be trading that camera in for the 100S at some point later this year. But we'll have to wait and see. Historical photos of Mount Rushmore before the famous faces. This fantastic set of historical photos shows how Mount Rushmore went from being a distinct rock face known as the Six Grandfathers to the National Monument it is today. The photos pulled from the National Park Service and the Library of Congress detail how the 60-foot-high faces of Presidents Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Lincoln came to look out from the Black Hills of South Dakota. And there are some really cool images in this article as well. The Lakota Sioux knew Mount Rushmore as the Six Grandfathers Mountain in an area of the Black Hills that was sacred to the native people of the Great Plains. 
In the 1800s, white settlers began pushing into the area, warring with the local tribes. In 1868, the Treaty of Fort Laramie was signed, giving the Lakota exclusive access to the Black Hills. However, gold was discovered nearby, and the U.S. reneged on the treaty and took control of the area. It was after that a New York attorney called Chris Rushmore inquired about the name of the mountain while visiting on business. He was told it didn't have a name, so it was named after him. Seeking to boost tourism, the idea for a sculptured monument of notable Native Americans was floated. However, after hiring American sculptor Goodston Borglum, he convinced them to make it a memorial of national significance. Despite local opposition, the four presidential heads of Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, and Lincoln were carved using dynamite, pneumatic hammers, drills, and chisels. The project began in 1927 and finished in 1941. And wow, it was a lot of work to get that done. You can tell from the images. Just truly, truly amazing. Last month, Petapixel reported on historical photos of the surprising popularity of electric cars in the Victorian era, 100 years before Tesla. And that is definitely some very awesome historical photography there in that article that you can check out for yourself. And next, something I alluded to on this past Thursday's episode. Chris Nichols and Jordan Drake join Petapixel to lead its YouTube channel. Chris Nichols and Jordan Drake are joining Petapixel and will lead its new YouTube channel. The two have been a mainstay in the photography industry for more than a decade as hosts for first the camera store and then DP Review. Their current home at DP Review is shutting down, but the two have no intention of stopping their excellent video reviews and photography-based content as they will be joining Petapixel as the faces of its new YouTube channel launching in May, providing a nearly seamless transition from their previous home to the new one. Quote, I'm thrilled that Petapixel is not only giving us the opportunity to keep our photography YouTube show going, but also the chance to make some fun changes to our format in upcoming episodes, Drake says. Sure, we'll still be releasing reviews for the latest photo and video gear shot in the frozen lands of Canada, but we're already working on field tests, documentaries, and episodes that are bigger than anything we've done before. This is a big move, but one that I'm very excited about. Working with Petapixel brings me back to the reason why I got into this industry in the first place, a deep love for photography, Nichols adds. Petapixel is first and foremost a website dedicated to photography, and the addition of an investment in Drake and Nichols is proof positive of that commitment. Quote, I can't wait to work with a team that is as passionate about the craft as I am. Our show will continue the high standard of technical knowledge that we are known for and our dedication to testing gear in the field, Nichols continues. But we can also explore the heart of what makes photo and video creation so enthralling. We can tell new stories, not just about gear, but about how we can all use that gear to do what we love. Petapixel is ecstatic to be able to provide the two with a place to continue their to share their professional insight and recommendations with a community that has appreciated them for the better part of 15 years. The show has always given Chris and me the opportunity to work with incredibly talented people, and this move to Petapixel continues that, Drake adds. Editor-in-Chief Jaron Schneider has been one of our good friends for years, 
and we're already having a blast working with him to conceive new episodes. We're looking forward to getting to know the rest of the Petapixel staff in the months ahead, but we're most excited to start interacting with you, the Petapixel readers, to find out what you'd like to see from Chris and me. Be sure to subscribe to Petapixel's YouTube now as new episodes are set to release starting in May. And once again, I congratulate uh, Jordan and Chris for being able to quickly move to another platform or another company to continue their YouTube show. I've been watching their videos for about as long as they've been making them, and I've always enjoyed their videos. I'm still hoping to possibly have them on the show in April. I hit up Jordan again the other day, and he said that it looks like they will be able to come on the show in April. So I am really looking forward to the chance to finally talk to these two wonderfully talented gentlemen. Photos recovered from waterlogged camera lost in river 13 years ago. A photographer recovered wedding photos from a waterlogged camera that she lost in a river in Colorado 13 years ago. Coral Lise and A thought she would never see the photos that she took of her friends, James and Holly Estelle's wedding again when she lost her Olympus 790 SW camera on a rafting trip in Animas River, Colorado in July of 2010. Emily was heartbroken about the loss of the precious photos that she had taken of her friend's wedding and bachelorette party, as well as the rafting trip that she had just taken with the bride and groom. However, 13 years later in 2023, a Maze Point Shoe digital camera was retrieved from the mud of the Animus River by a stranger called Spencer Grenier as he was fishing. When Grenier returned home, curiosity got the better of him and he decided to use a screwdriver to pry open the Olympus camera door to the memory card. Although water flooded out of the camera, Grand Air was left stunned when he miraculously managed to retrieve Amaze photos from the corroded SD card. When Grenier saw the photos of wedding and bachelorette party on the card, he knew he had to find the camera's owner. On March 16th, Grenier posted the 13-year-old photos on local Facebook group for Durango, Colorado, asking, did you get married on June 12th, 2010 in the Durango area? Did you have an ugly brown stretch station wagon at your bachelorette party? Do you recognize any of these people? If so, please contact me. Within an hour, the bride and groom, James and Holly Estelle, recognized themselves in the photos. They immediately got in touch with M.A., who is now based in Cochise, Arizona. A week later, she was reunited with her long-lost photos. Grenier also returned the camera to MAE, although the device has been rendered unusable after over a decade in a river. She says the LCD screen was not cracked, which is quite astonishing. These were photos I never thought I'd see again, MAE tells Petapixel. I'm still just so blown away at the effort that Spencer Grenier made to find the owner of lost photos. Every item that someone finds was once someone else's. Even if it may seem insignificant, like the loss of a single earring that could belong to someone's family heirloom, a lost hat that could have been the last gift from someone's father before they passed, even an old lost wallet may hold significance to someone. I hope this inspires more people to take the time to help materials that are out of place find their way back home. And I thought that was a truly incredible story. And there are some amazing images that were recovered from that waterlogged memory card. So that is just 
spectacular. Mikkei's 85mm f1.8 autofocus lens is now available for Fujifilm and Nikon. Mikkei has that uh, it's autofocused equipped 85mm f1.8 lens that it launched last year for Sony E-mount is now available for Fujifilm X and Nikon Z-mount. While the lens is available for Fujifilm APS-C cameras, Mikkei says the lens is capable of covering full-frame sensors, which means that it would work with any Nikon Z-mount or Sony E-mount camera, regardless of sensor size, with a small list of noted exceptions, specifically for a few Sony cameras. That also means that on a Fujifilm camera, the lens has an equivalent focal length of about 128 millimeters. The lens is constructed of nine elements arranged in six groups and features an aperture range of f1.8 through f22 via nine-bladed diaphragm. It has a close focusing distance of 0.85 meters or about 33.5 inches and a front filter size of 67 millimeters. The Mikkei 85mm f1.8 weighs 386 grams or about 0.85 pounds. While third-party lenses from Chinese manufacturers like Mikkei are not uncommon, seeing them equipped with autofocus is. The Mikkei 85 f1.8 features a stepping motor that the company says will deliver smooth and silent operation. Additionally, the lens fully communicates with the attached camera and can provide full EXIF information. The 85 1.8 also has a micro USB port that allows owners to upgrade firmware via computer should Mikkei release any digital upgrades in the future. The company says that it has applied a multi-layered coating on both sides of the lens to allow for more realistic colors, and the glass elements are also treated to resist dust and staining and are easily wiped clean. Below are a few sample photos captured with the lens provided courtesy of Mikkei, of note, these images are the same as what it provided as samples back when it launched the Sony E-mount version last year, so they obviously were not captured on neither Nikon nor Fujifilm cameras. But they are some stunning images. It should be noted that it appears Nikkei did intend to release this lens for Canon RF mount as well, but that option is grayed out on the company's website. The removal of RF support is likely due to litigation fears, as Canon has demonstrated and confirmed that it will seek legal action against third-party lens manufacturers who try and sell autofocused-equipped lenses for its mirrorless camera system without explicit consent. The Mikkei 85mm f1.8 is available from the company's web website for Sony E, Nikon Z, and Fujifilm X mounts for $200. And this is intriguing because other than Mikkei, the only other company that makes an 85mm 1.8 lens with autofocus for the Fujifilm X-mount is, of course, Viltrox. And Viltrox has actually made two editions of their 85 1.8. The one I have is actually their Mark II. But it is a bit more expensive. So it would be interesting to get my hands on one of these Mikkei lenses and check it out for myself. I may have to do that for an upcoming review on my YouTube channel. So make sure you get over there and subscribe to the channel and hit the, no, the little bell icon so you can be notified when new content drops because you never know, that video could be coming in the near future. Now, before I head on over to the rumor sites for this week, I'm going to take a short break and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. 
The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. And now we're going to head on over to Canon Rumors to start the rumor section for today's episode. Our 400 megapixel stills coming to the Canon EOS R5. We first broke the story earlier this month that Canon was planning a major firmware update for the Canon EOS R5 this year. One of the likely features coming to the R5 is pixel shift. But what is pixel shift? Well, pixel shift is a method in digital cameras for producing a super resolution image. The method works by taking several images after each such capture, moving or shifting the sensor to a new position. In digital color cameras that employ pixel shift, this avoids a major limitation inherent in using bare pattern for obtaining color and instead produces an image with increased color resolution and assuming a static subject or additional computational steps, an image free of color moir. Taking this idea further, subpixel shifting may increase the resolution of the final image beyond that suggested by the specified resolution of the image sensor. It looks like Canon is going to be bringing this to the EOS R5 this year. It looks like Canon is calling this feature IBIS High Resolution. This feature will combine nine shots to make a 400 megapixel image. The IBIS high resolution image will measure 24,576 by 16,384 pixels. Beyond the new pixel shift feature, we do expect further advancements to come in the new Canon EOS R5 firmware. We expect to see this announced in the next 30 days, so stay tuned for more information. Is a Canon RF 24 to 105 F 2.8 LIS on the way? Now, this is a Canon rumor one, which means take this with a grain of salt. Canon has a bunch of lenses that will be announced in 2023. The most obvious desire of shooters is a fast wide angle L prime lens. We've talked ad nauseum about those, so until we have something definitive, you know what we know. Now, for the second time, we have an anonymous report that Canon plans to announce a Canon RF 24-105 f2.8 LIS in the first half of 2023. On the surface, that is a lot of overlap of focal ranges. There is the 24-70 f2.8 LIS, the RF 24-105 f4-71 ISSTM, and the RF 24-105 f4LIS. Adding a fourth lens to this range just doesn't feel likely. It does remind us of the EF24-70 F4L IS macro, a lens a lot of people thought didn't make sense with the overlap, but actually turned out to be a pretty popular lens. We are surprised by this information, but we're not ready to dismiss it at this time. Canon could add a trick or two to the lens to differentiate it from the others in the range more to come as it develops. Now, I have to put in my two cents on this. I do not think Canon is going to do this. And the reason I say that is because they had an EF24-105 F4 LIS 
just like they do for the RF mount, and they never made a 2.8 version of the EF mount. So I find it very unlikely that they would do it for this one either. Now, the biggest factors being that a 2.8 of the 24 to 105 would be much bigger, much heavier, and much more expensive. I just don't see them doing it. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll have to wait and see. And now on over to Nikon rumors. Is the Nikon Z6 III camera coming soon? I have not heard about it. Oh, the internet where everyone is an expert. Multiple websites, forums, and social media accounts are reporting about the upcoming Nikon Z6 III camera. If the Nikon Z6 III camera is coming soon, I have not heard about it. This does not mean that such a camera does not exist on Nikon's roadmap. I am just saying that I have not heard anything reliable about this model, and I have been wrong before. There is also this other small thing. Nikon historically likes to introduce more expensive cameras first before a cheaper alternative. From a business perspective, this makes complete sense because they can maximize the revenue with a higher priced item before offering the cheaper alternative for the masses. So my guess is that Nikon Z8 first and then the Z6 III. But what do you think? And be sure to leave your comment in the Facebook group for the show if you do have an opinion on that matter. The new Nikon Nikkor Z85mm f1.2 S lens is now shipping and is currently in stock in the U.S. and Canada. This lens is now available at B&H Photo and Camera Canada. You can also check availability in the U.S. at Adorama, Amazon, Paul's Photo, and Service Photo. In the EU at Photo Hans Kutzkamp, Koch, Earnhardt, Calumet, and Wex. And some additional pictures are from the Photo Hans Kutzkamp website. And you can check those out in the show notes for yourself. DPR, Fujifilm managers interview fixed lens, Fujifilm GFX, X100V success, skipping full frame was a good decision. DP Review has interviewed four Japanese Fujifilm managers at CP+. Down below, you get the summary of what has been said. Market situation. Fujifilm believes that demand for digital cameras will remain relatively stable with some fluctuations. During COVID years, people could not travel, so they maybe spent more money on gear than on travels. Some people may have bought cameras because they were there were articles about shortages of components. 2022 was a strong year for Fujifilm with the introduction of the fifth generation gear. Core users in the market are enthusiasts. Fujifilm is quite optimistic about 2023, but it depends on whether the industry can develop interesting products. Quote, we certainly have some introductions coming that we're very excited about. Next up, was skipping full frame the right decision? The market seems to move towards full frame. The decision has been very good for us as a business. GFX system has become extremely important for Fujifilm's offering. We have two extreme systems, which means we don't have to compromise, but can try to deliver the best among these two systems. For the GFX, the focus is absolute image quality. For the APS-C system, we look at how we can achieve image quality in a compact and lightweight body. Our direction is set and there's no middle ground. I think it's a good strategy for us. Regardless of whether it's APS-C or full frame or large format, it's whether you can come up with a better new offering that benefits the end user. XH2S Receptions and Challenges 
well-received by media, dealers, and end users. People are seeing that we can also make cameras that shoot fast action like wildlife, which is huge. Now dealers can recommend the X system to all kinds of photographers. This has positively affected X-Mount as a whole. First model of new generation is always a challenge. High-speed processing, heat cooling, the new stack sensor, and new processor combination. Sports and press photography have higher demands than other categories. Improved autofocus was also a huge challenge. Probably 10% of XH2S shooters are professional photographers, wildlife, and press photographers. Professional videographers may represent the most users in terms of numbers. The XH2S was our first attempt at incorporating FTP. XH2S is a hybrid camera. Fuji's target for video is not for studio production, but small startups, content creators, small companies who want cinema quality. More semi-pros and enthusiasts will buy the camera, but it's important to get the blessings of top professionals. If the pros are using it and that's visible, it will give confidence to enthusiasts. Thanks to the X-H2S, we see users of other systems switching to Fujifilm for video. Many users are choosing our system due to top-level image quality and performance. Also, having a stack sensor with that spec at such an affordable price is very attractive. High-resolution X-H2 and high-speed X-H2S, can you build a lineup around two such extreme sensors? Currently, Fujifilm offers the fifth-generation cameras, 40-megapixel and 26-megapixel stacked, and the fourth-generation cameras, 26-megapixel non-stacked. We have more options and can choose the best combination for each. Sometimes 40 megapixels might be overkill and 26 might be more efficient, and that sensor delivers very good image quality. Video future. Video is important for the future. Creating content is usually a mixture of stills and video, and that trend will continue. To be successful in the imaging industry, it's very important to be good on the video side. A dedicated X-Series video camera? We believe there's potential. We know we have the technology, so we're always looking into the possibility. As far as the GFX system is concerned, GFX has increased the market share for digital medium format. We've never just targeted the medium format market alone because our sales alone would be bigger than that market. With the GFX system, we target also high-end full-frame users. Just as three years ago, still today, about 20% of GFX users are professionals and 80% are amateurs, but with a much larger number of users. Tilt-shift lenses will help to grow in the professional market. The X100 series. Uh, is Fuji's most iconic model. People pose on TikTok with X100B. It's a fashion item and cool to own. This helps to appeal to younger generations. Not only the young, every generation loves the X100V. X100 line is the gateway to the X system. Fujifilm has increased production capacity of the X100V, but the demand keeps growing. We are trying our best to catch up with that demand. A fixed lens GFX? Never say never, right? A manager jokes and says, if it was the size of the X100V, I'd use it. It depends on the size. Fujifilm is aware of the request for such a camera. If we made a GFX format with a fixed lens, it might be a similar gateway to our GFX system, which is interesting to us. DPR wants to make clear that Fujifilm did not say that such a product is in the works. Fujifilm just speculated that a fixed lens GFX could be a gateway camera to the GFX system, 
like the X100 cameras are for the X system. And you can read the full review at DP Review, and you can find that link in this article in the show notes. Sigma CEO APSC has still great benefits over full frame. DPR interviewed Sigma CEO Katsudo Yamaki. Now, for the purpose of this blog, we can skip most of the part of the interview as they talk about the Sigma FP cameras, DSLR lenses, the L-Mount Alliance, and so forth. Relevant for us is only the part where they talk about APS-C versus full-frame lenses. Here is what the Sigma CEO said. Quote, APS-C still has great benefits. Making good full-frame lenses that perform well from center to corner without vignetting is challenging. But with APS-C, we can make lenses with excellent performance at a decent size and weight. So for those who care about the balance between picture quality and the size and weight of a system, APS-C is still an excellent choice. We can make a very compact camera body with full-frame sensor, but making the lenses compact is still challenging. We remind you that Sigma is going to launch the Sigma 23mm f1.4 DCDN for Fujifilm X-Mount next. And there is a hefty $100 discount on the Sigma 56 1.4 for the Fujifilm X-Mount. And again, that came from DP Review. You can find the Sigma 56 1.4 DCDN save $100 at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, and Focus Camera. The Sigma 23 F1.4 DCDN coming soon at B&H Photo, Amazon, and Adorama. The Sigma 18 to 50 millimeter F2.8 DCDN can be found at B&H Photo, Adorama, and Amazon. The Sigma 16 millimeter F1.4 DCDN at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, and Focus Camera, and the Sigma 30 millimeter F1.4 DCDN at the same four retailers. And now on over to Sony Alpha Rumors. <laughs> Just announced new Duovox ultra military grade night vision monocular with Sony Starvis sensor. Duovox successfully funded their new night vision and Sony Starvis powered monocular on Kickstarter. Full color at low light, take full advantage of the Starvis CMOS high sensitivity sensor and capture your surroundings in vibrant, vivid colors, 1080p full HD, even at 0.001 lux. Built-in IR, we have upgraded the Duo, Duovox Ultra with the 850nm infrared illuminator, nanometer of course, which allows getting clearer vision of your target up to 500 meters in complete darkness. 128 gigabyte storage stores 1,000 high-quality images and 120 minutes of 1080p Full HD video. Now you'll never miss out on the best shots ever again up to 10 hours battery life. Comes with a powerful inbuilt 4,000 milliamp hour rechargeable battery, giving you up to 10 hours of uninterrupted use and up to five hours with the IR turned on. And you can check out their video on this on their official YouTube channel, which you can find in this article in today's show notes. And last but not least for this week, new Samyang 35mm to 150mm f2 to 2.8 lens price is 1,179 euros. The European store enfin.com listed the Samyang 35 to 150 20 to 2.8 lens with a price tag of 1,179 euros. That's exactly 400 euros cheaper than the Tamron competition lens. 
I have been told that the announcement day has been slightly postponed from late March to early April, thanks to the anonymous tipster. And that is all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Land Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 327 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new videos drop. If you haven't been paying attention to the YouTube channel, you need to get on over there because I've released a bunch of videos in this past week. I did a full unboxing review of the Fujifilm X100V, as well as a review of the X100V's inbuilt four-stop ND filter and how it can benefit your photography. And I'm also releasing a new one later on today on the Fujifilm X100V's leaf shutter and how that can benefit your photography. Additionally, I released a video on Friday about the best all-around compact camera carry bag that's ever been produced on the market today, and you need to check out that video as well. Now, remember, you still have 25 days in which to get your entry in for the chance to win the Platypod Extreme Flat Tripod. Thanks once again to the good folks at Platypod for sponsoring the contest. They do not sponsor the show. They strictly provided the prize for this giveaway. So I want to thank Skip Cohen and Dr. Larry Tiefenbrunn once again for their generosity. All right, that's going to wrap this one up. I will see you all again on Thursday.